Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. And today we are back in the sword and soul uh, with one of the best writers in the genre, Milton Davis, and his new collection of stories, Edda Blessed. Yes, and Edda blessed us because this isn't out yet, and we got a chance to read it before right. it came out. That's right. Um, this is a story um, or a collection of stories focusing on the character of Omari Kett. Not only is it one of the greatest sword and soul writers in the genre, but it's also one of the greatest characters from the genre. Well, I think I think Omari Kett's probably one of the best characters all the way around. I love Omari Kett. He is yes. great. Yeah, and since this is a new collection and this episode will probably be released prior to the collection, uh, this is going to be spoiler-free yep. for the most part. Um, primarily just talking up Milton and how great the character of Omari Kett is. <laughs> Yes. Uh, one of the so, one of the coolest things about uh, this collection is it is chronological. Yes, which is strange because the like many like another barbarian type hero that we know of, um, the stories were not written chronologically. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact. Um, the edition that we have, the very first story where Amari appears, uh, what we actually, it wasn't included in the edition that we have, but we've been since informed that it possibly will make the final cut. Mm. Um, he wasn't even the first, he wasn't even the primary character of that story. He was supposed to be a foil for the main character. Right. And uh, end up dead. Right. His first appearance was supposed to be his last. But uh, the character managed to endure. He uh, captured the imagination of, of Sword and Soul fans and has persisted. Uh, he made it into the Key Conga role-playing game as, as a statted NPC. Uh, and now a collection of stories all about him. Yes. The, the, the great thing about... Um... Omari Kett is when when we first were introduced to Sword and Soul through Kikaga, mm. um, his story was the last in that collection, and it was the standout story. As a matter of fact, that story is so good. I remember it as two separate stories because really, <laughs> two things happen um, in this in that story. It's um. The last one in this collection as well. It's called Simple Math. And um, I'm reading through, I'm at a blessed, and I'm, and I'm thinking, we're running out of stories. How is he going to get both of those stories that, that I read before into, mm. into this thing? And then oh, it dawned on me, oh, yeah, well, it was actually one story. Right. It was, uh, <laughs> I believe it was one of the longer stories. It was like a novelette. Yeah, it, it was a it was a pretty long story, and it had two like plot points, mm -hmm. uh, major plot points, and it, it very well could have been two stories, um, but it or it, what did they call it a 
Well, it could have been two connected short stories because they definitely flow into each other mm -hmm. um, structurally. And I don't want to give anything away, but but I distinctly I remember that as just as one of the highlights of Kikanga, that and the frog uh, witch. Yes. Which is funny because it was like the longest story in the collection and the shortest story in the collection. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so the entire sequence of stories takes place in the uh, fictional realm of Kikanga, which is a fantasy uh, Africa. You got a map um, of it on my wall. Yeah, you got the map. Ah, I haven't been able to get a map yet. Um, so it's very the the culture of Kikanga is much based on actual African cultures and civilizations um, that arose throughout the the ages. Mm -hmm. And it is a very rich and vibrant land. We've said this several times before. We've reviewed several things about Kikanga. Um, but it is. It is is very rich. It's a very alive-feeling setting. Well, one and, of the and things, this collection just further adds to that. One of the things about Kikanga is um, very similar to what um, Robert E. Howard did with um, Hyboria is he took Milton, well, both of them, but specifically Milton, took uh, actual cultures uh, from periods in Africa, not necessarily the same period, mm. um, and put them onto the onto con the continent of Kikanga, populating it with different cultures, different peoples. So you kind of have a shorthand of culture, much like Howard did. Mm -hmm. So when you refer to um, to the Kenyans, the Kenjins, uh, your mind can like slot Kenyan in there because the names are similar, and you have um, and you kind of have an idea of of uh, what to expect from from these characters. Yes, much much the same with oh Aquilonians. So what do I know about Romans? Because they're going to be similar. And and much like much like Howard's work with the Hyborian Age, um, the character of Omari Ket is well traveled, and many of these stories bounce within certain regions of Kikonga, mostly the central area of Kikonga. Correct? Yeah, it's it's um he spends a lot of time in Kenja, which is uh, central to the east. Um, there is uh, where is. I'm, I'm looking at it, but my eyesight sucks. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's all around um, that that central, I guess, central area. Mm -hmm. And the action, of course, picks up in the city of Satiba, which is like dead center of the continent. Yeah, Satiba is... Hold on. Is... So I can't freaking read my map. Where is Satiba on this? Map? Southern coast of the Big Lake. It's not marked on the map, but yeah, okay. But the southern coast of the Big Lake, which is uh, Congo, mm -hmm. with a K, or uh, Watandu. Well, that's not on the coast though. So yeah, Congo, Kenya, 
are, are mentioned in there. Um, Watamdu, which is like a, a no no fly zone. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. So it's like that south south uh, central part of Kikonga. Right. Now, what makes Omari Ket stand out a little bit more is that uh, he is very much more of a mercenary kind of character. Uh, he's he takes jobs. He, he's out to get paid um, and and be wealthy, but not really like wealthy like the merchants where they have just a lot of money sitting around. He likes to have a lot of money right now. Well, he doesn't want the responsibility of having a lot of money sitting around. Right. Because That's, guys like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, for most of this, he's uh, a Mechagen. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mechagen, uh, which is a specialized mercenary, basically a mercenary army hired by one uh, city. Right. The Kiswala. Uh, right. And they just basically do what the Kiswalans tell them to do right go fight them they've they've uh you know dishonored the trade agreements go kick their ass right um and they get they get paid by looting as well mm -hmm. yes they you you know they they are allowed to loot whatever they want um and keep 10 percent or something and, and keep 10 percent, and the rest of it goes to the the their benefactors um the the mechigen is very similar to like the french foreign legion or something like that the uh the the rank and file of of their army is prisoners, uh, folks who have been impressed into service or sold into service, right? And and scoundrels and criminals and stuff like that. They are not, you know, the brave and noble, you know, knights of some kingdom or another. They right. are, you know, the the riffraff who are there to do dirty work and they are people specially qualified to do dirty work. Yes. And they, they pull in a variety of skills. Um, you know, the archers, cavalrymen, officers, things of this nature all come from all. It's a very cosmopolitan sort of army. Well, there's, there's uh, wretched scum and villainy all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the interesting thing is they have um, healing tattoos. Yes. They're all given magical tattoos that uh, are like perform the functions of a field medic. Yeah. So they can't come back from death, I don't think, but they can come damn close. Yes. Uh, except for, you know, you can't come back from severed heads or, you know, taking a spear through the heart something like that. Massive damage, critical hits, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, those tattoos are, are damn useful. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And, and one of the, <clears throat> pardon me, one of the, the great uh, things about Milton's storytelling, um, just in reference to the tattoos and other things, but I noticed that a lot with the tattoos, is he will drop um, a, a, a word in the local language. Mm. Like, like Mikajit or whatever the name of the tattoo is. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> um, and won't explain. 
what it is, but gives you enough context mm -hmm. for you to, to figure it out on your own. Right. Which is one of the most annoying things about fantasy writing. I, I've probably said this before is when they refer to something in the local flavor or whatever, and then immediately translate it into English. Right. It, to me, that just sounds, it's just wasted. Or, or give the reader an info dump. Yeah. Like, but it amounts to the same thing. It's, it's, God damn it. It's, I, and I know I said this before. I said it a few weeks ago. Elder Scrolls, talking to the dragons, he says something in Draconic, and then immediately says the same something the same thing in uh, in English. And you're just like, Ugh, why did you do that? It doesn't add to flavor, and it just is annoying. Well, maybe dragons are just annoying. <laughs> they could be. They certainly are in Elder Scrolls. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, but Milton doesn't do that. Milton smoothly incorporates the local language into his prose. And it's not a lot. It's not like every other word is like is Swahili or something. Mm. He just like puts keywords in there, um, like uh, like names of animals, mm. or local titles. Oh, right, local titles. Yeah, stuff just stuff like that, or uh, weapons, or mm. or pieces of clothing. I found out a conga is a kind of is a kind of um, a, a dress. Yes. Um, the other thing about Milton's writing style is that he is, unlike a lot of fantasy authors who go to great lengths to make their work very serious, um, Milton's writing is very light, very fluid, uh, includes more than its fair share of humor. Uh, along with more than its fair share of vicious and brutal action as well. Yeah, he he, he shines on describing action scenes. Mm -hmm. But he, he's pretty good at making making some wisecracks, too. Yeah, well, that comes from uh, the character. Omari Cat is, well, you had said it, that guy. He is <laughs> that guy. The one who blows in the town like a whirlwind sweeps everybody in his orbit up mm. and, and leaves everyone broken <laughs> right. and hung and hung over while he just fucks off to, the, to his next adventure. Right. He's uh he's in that he's in that kind of vein of those classic roguish sort of characters like John Constantine. Um you know who come in, they are the master of their own destiny even even if it doesn't appear that they are. Um who yeah i'm a bad guy i'm a good bad guy but i'm still i'm a bad i'm a bad man yeah he's a very talented anti-hero yes very very much so very much but so. Now the but the thing about that that separates omari cat from like your typical anti-hero like elric or the punisher or something like that mm -hmm. is you know i know people like omari cat I mean, I know that guy. I was friends with that guy in college. Mm -hmm. I've been arrested with that guy. Right, and that's and that's another strong <laughs> point is that you feel that you know 
Omari Kett or someone like Omari Kett or someone yeah. who would. Yeah. Cause, cause that guy is always there. The guy who always very ends much. Up, he ends up drinking your booze. He ends up stealing your girl, whatever. But I mean, it's just par for the course. But, you know, at the end of it all, you're like, damn, I hope he comes back into town again because that motherfucker knows how to party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm $6,000 in debt, but God damn, that guy knows how to party. <laughs> right. And now that's that's not to say that's exactly how it works whenever Omar encounters somebody he's encountered before. But uh, sometimes that's the case. He's he's definitely got a little bit of pliskinitis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mari Kett. I heard you was dead. Right. That might be true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the type of character that he is. He is he is a scoundrel and a rogue, and he's just like and he and he and and Milt does this so well. He's he's sexy and he knows it. And never shies from a chance for Omari Kett to get butt naked. Yeah. And butt Omari naked. gets around. He gets around. He, he does get around. He does get around. Um, you know, he's like, and he smiles all the time, you know, even though he's serious. But he's all, even though Omari Kett is such a badass, and he is, he, you know, he, there's very few fights he gets into where he doesn't have the upper hand, but it seems like he loses that upper hand quite often. Yeah. Well, it's not fun if he, if he wins everything. Right. No, he, he, well, he does always win to an extent. He always pulls off some kind of victory. Right. But, but it's not, it's not automatic. Right. It's not, you have some characters. We'll go back to Robert E. Howard. Where you do have that kind of automatic, right? You know, yeah. And unless, yeah, it might start off with uh, Conan in 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 jail, or, you know, in prison, right? In a dungeon or whatever. Especially all the King Conan stories, or you know, in dire circumstances, from the point where that is established on, Conan just like breezes through life. Pretty Omari, much, yeah. Omari suffers. Through life, mm-hmm. he uh, he has a real talent. If if Omari Kett has a superpower, it is the ability to get in over his head quickly. Yeah, and get back out, and get back out. But unlike the Conan stories, where Conan never is really in over his head, there's nothing that 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 character can't do that isn't just an application of fuse. And steal. Well, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, because I love Conan. I love mm-hmm. the stories. But really, there's not a lot of, oh, my God, how's, how's he going to get out of this? Right. And it seems like that's how Omari Kett rolls is by the seat of his pants. Mm-hmm. Constantly by the seat of his pants. Which, that that's exciting. That's something you want to read. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily want your character to to roll with the punches all the time and like and and always be not even have a hint of not being on top right 
Right. You know what I'm saying? Even James Bond got the kick, shit kicked out of him in every movie and mm-hmm. had to get out of a trap. Right. Of some sort. Right. He's, uh, in, in that respect, he's very similar to uh, John McClane from the Die Hard movies. Is very, very Omari Kett like character. Uh, I've never seen a Die Hard movie. Oh, you've never seen a Die Hard movie? Nope. Maybe we'll have to fix that for. No, I don't like Bruce Willis. You don't like Bruce Willis? Nope. Um, so, yeah, fantastic character. Most of the stories in this collection are original. Uh, they were written specifically for the collection. Um, if the third story, which is called... Oh. <laughs> the third story in the... In no, the... Uh, the story, the first appearance of Amari Kett. Oh. Um... God damn, it's on the tip of my tongue. Old Habits. Old Habits. If Old Habits makes it into the collection then there will be only three prior published stories, previously published stories. Mm-hmm. That and the would rest be... are all and, uh, original. Well, it's not like they're easy to find anyway. So uh, The Skin Man, which is one of the previous uh, published stories, was found in the uh, journal Skelos, mm-hmm. my, uh, the second, second um, issue of that. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I was lucky enough to hunt down at Necronomicon. Yep, you got the last copy. Yep, specifically, I bought it specifically because there was an Omari Cat story in there. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, old habits. If you if you're interested in reading that, um, that one it came out in the second volume of the Griots books, mm-hmm. uh, Sisters of the Spear. Which uh, we reviewed uh, early 2017 or early 2016? Uh, I think 2016. Oh, okay. We did both of those anthologies. Both excellent. Pick those up as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Simple Math, as we said, was in the Kikanga anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, that is also an excellent Sword and, Source, uh, Sword and Soul anthology. Yeah, and that's the thing is like... Um, Kikanga, uh, Sisters of the Spear, great anthologies to, to, to boot. I mean, not only do you get your Omari Kett fix, but you get um, a lot a lot more. Um, with Kikanga, you get a, a bunch. It's like a tag team between two of the greats. You get Milton and uh, uh, Balogun Ojitade, uh, right um, each other's stories and leapfrog off of each other. So you have one by Milton, one by Balogun. One by Milton, one by Balogun. And they're, they're really good. I remember reading that and just the breadth of the types of stories that are told in Kikaga uh, are fantastic. Not only do you get your sword and soul, uh, just straight up sword and soul, which is what Omari Kett stories are, but you also get a lot of, you get some steampunk Mm-hmm. In there, uh, some just straight up weird science fiction stuff. Yep, get a That's... get a really diverse um, set of stories in that anthology. Yeah. Now I'm going to go out on a limb and say, even though this book is coming out in January, um, at the very beginning of 2019, 
it, it promises to be one of the best books of the year. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one that uh, when we were asked to take a look at it, um, we both jumped at the chance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, um, you know, A, the author is fantastic, and B, the the setting is fantastic. See, the character is fantastic. So, I right. mean, just like right there, why, why wouldn't? Yeah, why wouldn't you? And and Omari Ket is is one of he's the franchise character, I think, of of Key Conga. Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, just as you know, the you know Conan well, is that, the franchise that, of Hyperbo Hyboria. That and the the frog hag. Well, the frog hag, you know, she's. She's the last I, Luthor. I love the frog hag. Sorry. <laughs> the frog the frog hag makes a, a small appearance in this collection as well. So mm -hmm. Yep. One of the great stories in Kikonga is there's a callback. And that's always great too. When when you see callbacks to things that you've read about before. Well, right. In, well in other the, books. The setting uh Seti Ba. Mm -hmm. What was the uh, was the setting for um, Beneath the Shining Jewel? Right, right. Another sword and soul slash horror offering from Balagun, which yeah. was very excellent. Yep, we don't have a release date on this yet, but uh, we will be talking about it. We'll have links up in uh, the Microphones Madness discussion group and on the Facebook page as soon as we get word that it's coming out. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's 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 a must buy if you are into sword and sorcery, uh, fantasy fiction, or if you're looking to try to get into sword and soul. You know, it's it's a good place to start as well. Yeah. All the other books we mentioned are also good uh, places to get started. But uh, yeah, start start with one of the greats. Plus, you also get a great illustration by Brian Syme. Oh, there's uh, a of number Omar, of Omari Cat with his hand cannon mm -hmm. and his and his short sword. Yep, there's several great illustrations throughout the the book. Yeah, like like um, Omari Cat versus the Manticore. <laughs> the Manticore. It's funny. Yeah. He's fighting. He's fighting lionels. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that about wraps it up for uh, Etta Blessed, the Omari Ket collection. Uh, check it out as soon as you can get your hands on it. And until next time, keep thirty. Keep thirty luck points. <laughs>